Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. KDOS AM 1060 as always online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is a Monday. It is September 18th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. It's a bit of a reaction Monday but also a game day Monday with two NFL contests going on today with the Saints at the Panthers 4.15 p.m. and then the Browns and the Steelers at 5.15 p.m. So we'll dive into both of those contests, as well as if you missed Bob's interview with Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, you know his podcast, that over at KDOS1060.com. But as we typically do, let's set the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with what's going on locally with the Arizona Cardinals. The KDOS1060.com poll question, who deserves the most blame for the Cardinals' 0-2 start, the coaching staff or the players? And while we were on a resounding coaching staff in the nine o'clock hour it is now flipped completely and we're in a 50 50 split between the coaching staff and the players okay i think a uh, case can be made for both hence the question uh kind of came up with this question during the fourth quarter before they actually fall behind because i kind of sort of anticipated that they were going to fall behind in the second half of that game uh, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, the first two games, uh, the good news, the Cardinals, much to my surprise, have actually led in the fourth quarter of both games. The bad news is they've been badly outplayed in the fourth quarter, really the second half entirely yesterday. Uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, they've been outscored 27-0 to in the fourth quarter in two games so far this year. And they've lost games by four and three points to Washington and also the New York football Giants. And the commanders here seem to be like comeback kids as it is right now, but that's how they are uh, going at the moment. We'll dive into more about the Cardinals. Uh, we'll answer the question around 1130 and get into the game here momentarily. But first, we'll toss it on over to the Twitter poll question at KDOS AM 1060, who wins Monday night in Pittsburgh. And uh, Ray Fittipaldo did not sway any perceptions because we're still in a 50-50 split there. And Ray took Cleveland. I think he took uh, so, them resoundingly as well. Well, he took them. I mean, it's you know he pointed out uh, you know the Steelers aren't exactly fast starters here in recent years, <laughs> and somehow they end up either 500 or above 500 by the end of the season. But uh, zero and two with two home losses, and uh, the second one in the division opponent uh, would uh, not be the best start. Uh, you know, it's weak two for them i'm not you know i don't know if i've ever used the term must win in week two but it would be uh not a good way to start your season if you lose your first two games at home 
Well, how about this? I mean, we had talked about uh, the AFC North being a division that we wanted to keep our eye on, and we thought that there could be some cannibalism or a lot of going three and three within the division. But if you would look at it, if, for instance, the Browns would go on to win, you then would have the Ravens and the Browns at 2-0, and and you would have the Bengals and the Steelers at 0-2. That would be true. Uh, you know, uphill climb for uh, you know if you fall down you know, down two games after two games of the season. So, see what happens. The Bengals' offensive line, which uh, you know was better last year, it's amazing they actually went to the Super Bowl with the offense line they had you know three seasons ago. Uh, but they got a little bit better last year. They thought they were going to get better this year, but through two games. Uh, two teams have just pretty much blitzed at will against them, and they haven't seemed to figure out how to pick up a blitz yet. We'll dive into that as well here a little bit later on in the show. But first, we need to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. And we, we had left things on Friday. Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Our winner of the $100 gift certificate took the Cardinals plus four and a half. And, well... On one hand, we're 3-0, and so that's great news. On the other hand, how this all unfolded with the cover taking place, but a Cardinals loss, 31-28 to to the Giants, leaves us with some questions here. So on one hand, all right, we're 3-0, and we're on a roll here. Money for charity is coming uh, at season's end. But having to dissect this 31-28 to loss, uh, let's start things off with the first half for the Cardinals here. This was where there was a 20 to nothing lead you had statistically Josh Dobbs he was 12 of 16 for 146 yards James Connor he ran the ball really well in the first half he ended up getting over 100 yards for the game uh, but most of those runs and plays were coming in that first half uh, there were certainly signs of offensive life in this first half for the Cardinals plays were going down the field in fact you had uh, at the conclusion of the game with Josh Dobbs completing uh, his air yards according to next gen stats at six point four completed air yards which was certainly an improvement from week one defensively the Cardinals were able to get after things as well with three sacks on Daniel Jones and an interception that Daniel Jones actually stopped from being a pick six so we'll stop with the first half and kind of talk a little bit about that there were good things that happened there it's true five drives they scored four times two touchdowns two field goals more than obviously last week uh, they scored zero offensive touchdowns in week one. Uh, they had 16 first downs and 241 yards. You mentioned Dobbs was 12 for 16 for 146 yards in that first half. The rest of the game, they had eight first downs total, 138 yards total, got one touchdown, which was on their first drive of the second half. After that, they did pretty much nothing. Uh, then, uh, you know, it was also interesting that the uh, crowd noise uh, from Giants fans uh, affected the Cardinals offensive line. Uh, Dobbs even talked about that a little bit after the game, but you know, got a news for the new Cardinals here, which you're pretty much everybody in the roster for the most part. Uh, but that's going to happen frequently with Cardinals home games, especially if the Cardinals are not good and we're anticipating them not being good, obviously, but uh, it was a, uh, yeah, certainly a pro road crowd. Once the uh, once the Giants actually they booed them in the first half. Uh, the Giants fans booed their, you know the uh, the uh, football Giants during that first, and they deserved it. 
and they had obviously played six quarters of about as bad a football as you could possibly play. And then they were tremendous in the second half, and Daniel Jones was really good. He made a lot of plays. Barkley, before he got hurt, unfortunately, on his last carry, and I can't imagine there's a scenario that he's going to play in a short week Thursday night in San Francisco. But, uh, you know, there was a, you know, I, I'm trying to avoid this tale of two halves things because I just a, that's just kind of a cop-out answer. So I threw in some stats to back up my, to back up that widely used claim, I'm sure, in the last few hours. Uh, yeah. So, you know, along those lines here, I think for me, um, I was expecting the Giants to throw some haymakers coming out of the the second half. I mean, uh, that that's not great to be shut out for six quarters. The first time since 1930 something, 1934, 1936 that, that that has happened. So I expected some sort of attempts to try to put pressure on the Cardinals defense, and they did. They marched down the field three plays, 75 yards. They get those seven points to get on the board. And for me, I thought, okay, uh, how are the Cardinals going to respond? here and respond they did they matched it with a touchdown drive of their own they go for two 28-7 lead but then that's where things changed here so I'm curious if it was uh kind of taking the the foot off the gas a little bit and getting a little conservative did you think that you saw that or did you think that you just saw that there's inexperience on the coaching staff inexperience on the field and it's really hard to win in the NFL I just think they have a lot of really bad players that shouldn't be in the NFL, quite frankly. And this is going to be a common theme for, you know, 17 weeks of this season. You know, that first play of the second half was a 58-yard completion. I don't know what the hell Marco Wilson's doing. He's had He had a terrible game yesterday, by the way. And he's supposed to be their, quote, you know, top corner. Uh, I don't think he's even good enough to be a starting corner in the NFL, just based on what we saw last year. And what we've seen through, uh, not necessarily last week, because I don't think he was challenged too much last week, but uh, he was certainly challenged yesterday. And, you know, a lot of the the big pass plays that Jones uh, you know, came up with in the second half yesterday were basically, it uh, seemed like they actually targeted Wilson on those plays. That um, when it comes to the Cardinals here, you did have the fact that Buda Baker, his absence was felt on the defense. Uh, I'm kind of wondering one, you know, you lose a player such as Buddha there and then you have to go down the depth chart one that factors in two with the defense having to be on the field for as long as they were there in the second half if some of that started to contribute to uh, what was taking place. Agreed. And also, you know, they've got a defensive line problem all of a sudden. You know, just a week ago, we kind of thought, well, maybe they got like six defense down defensive linemen that they can rotate in and out. Well, unfortunately, L.J. Collier, who I think has actually been the most impressive of those down defensive linemen through the preseason and the first part of the uh, the first regular season game, he was placed on injury reserve uh, on Friday, I believe it was, before yesterday. Uh, and he's out. In uh, fact, after the game, Jonathan Gannon, in fact, would refuse to answer the question of whether he's out for the season or not. He didn't say he was coming back, which he could have, uh, but he didn't. And then also uh, during the game, Carlos Watkins, who I thought has made some pre- he's made some plays uh, in uh, the, the during the preseason and, and in week one, he went out with an upper body injury. 
and uh, he didn't come back either. So those are two of those six defensive linemen that they've used, I think, with effectiveness the first game of the season when they rotated those guys. You're down two of those guys in by the time you got to halftime yesterday. Uh, some more stats to back up just the, the difference here in the second half after they scored their initial touchdown there. Dobbs was 9 of 15, 82 yards in the second half. In the fourth quarter, the Cardinals had three possessions that resulted in just taking three minutes and 33 seconds off the clock yeah. and gained just 13 yards. So certainly that wasn't helping uh, the defense as well. And again, providing more possessions for the Giants to even have the chance to come back. Uh, defensively, the Cardinals allowed Daniel Jones in the second half 17 of 21 for 259 yards two touchdowns along with an offense that gained 358 yards in that second half post game a few things that caught my attention from Jonathan Gannon here he said quote I thought the offense played well we ran it Dobbs I thought threw some good balls in there guys were getting open and catching it we even had one good drive there in the second half got some momentum back and then we couldn't get off the field but I thought they played really well well they scored 28 points against a pretty good defense there that's a good day uh did you agree with that assessment yeah i think you scored 28 points in an nfl game you should win the game you know last week they scored 16 points you shouldn't win those games so it's just kind of a you know i don't even know how to describe this you I mean the you know, first game the offense uh, was inept uh, the defense made plays. The second game, the offense was it looked like an NFL offense for at least you know, two. You know, really, well, they didn't score after the last 21 minutes of the game after they scored that first possession of the second half. But they looked like they were functional for a while. And then once the Giants actually either got close enough or whatever and the Cardinals were in a passing mode, uh, the Giants' defensive front dominated the rest of the game. He also said here, uh, quote, just we got to coach better, got outplayed in the second half, tale of two halves. We have to do a better job, help our guys out because the effort is there. The intensity is there. We got to coach a little bit better. And then to piggyback off of that, he said exactly how what we couldn't do to lose that game coming out of halftime. We did. And when that is the case, that's on me explicitly. Well, good for him for taking responsibility, I guess, but I think that's uh, kind of ridiculous. Uh, you can't make chicken salad out of you-know-what. So they're just not good. They they have a lot of guys that are on the field that should not be on NFL rosters, and that's not going to change this season. The Cardinals, when they had the the uh, change of you know, front office and coaching staff from last year, it did exactly what they should have done. They should. They're starting over from scratch. You know, hopefully they. You know, they've accumulated a lot of draft picks for next season. That doesn't mean just because you accumulate them that you're going to immediately turn things around because you have to you know, do a good job selecting players. Uh, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But they just. They're a bad team, and I'm. I'm this is going to get really old. Probably is already really old now. Uh, they're not magically going to turn into a good team because they don't have. They don't have very many good players. And unfortunately, Buda Baker, who is certainly the most known of their you know, you know, upper echelon players, of which, quite frankly, I think there are only three or four uh, that are really capable NFL starters that are good. Uh, he obviously, uh, for whatever reason, got injured during practice last Friday, apparently. 
Uh, that's when we found out about it was Friday uh, with a hamstring injury, and who knows how long he's going to be out. And I think we learned during hard knocks last year that if he's out with an injury, it's not a, it, it's got to be a bad thing. It's not he's going to keep fought through injuries. We've seen that for several years now, but I think we especially saw his uh, you know tolerance level for the injury during hard knocks a year ago. Uh, this was a theme under head coach Cliff Kingsbury about the uh, home losses. And so now, obviously, with Jonathan Gannon at the helm, uh, not able to capitalize on the opportunity there on Sunday. It extends what's going on with the home losses. They're now one of 14 in their last 15 home games in Glendale. That win came on a Thursday night against the Saints last year. If you want a Sunday victory, then the last one of those came October 24th of 2021 against Houston when it was a 31 to 5 victory. Well, yesterday's just another example. There's not going to be too many home crowd advantages here, so you've got to have, you know, superior players or just as good as the opposition and that's just not going to happen very often. Uh so we'll see what happens. You know, that Saints game last year that they did win here. Uh, that was a game that either first up, A, there's not that many Saints fans here in, in, in the Valley, so it's not like they had a tremendous following uh, behind, uh, behind their, you know, the Saints in that game. That was also a game that scored. They had, a, they had two defensive touchdowns just off the top of my head that I can remember in that game, and that actually turned that game around, or they might have lost that game too. And that was like the greatest video of all time uh, with Marco Wilson flying into the end zone. And then you have the camera on Andy Dalton turning away in disgust. And then you just see Marco flying in. It it made for a cool video. Uh, And that was was the Isaiah Simmons highlight of his Cardinals career was that touchdown. And Isaiah Simmons basically yesterday was on a few third down packages and seemed to be on almost every special teams for the uh, Giants. Uh, When it comes to the Cardinals here, it does not get easier this week when they welcome in the Dallas Cowboys. We'll obviously be getting into this much more as uh, the week progresses, but just here as a defense for the Cowboys, seven sacks, two interceptions. They're holding teams to just 31.25% on third down. Uh, So it's going to be a tough road ahead. Well, they're already 12.5-point home underdogs, and there will be a large contingent of Cowboys fans here as uh, this was Cowboys country before the Cardinals ever moved here. And every time that the Cardinals and Cowboys have played here uh, since I've been in the Valley uh, covering the Cardinals, which started in the 2002 season, uh, there are some times you have no idea who actually would be the home or road team if you just judged it on crowd noise. Uh, When it comes to the Giants, you mentioned it already. They have a short week. Uh, Brian Dayball uh, said that they're hopeful about Saquon Barkley, but that he's still getting tests. So uh, either the Giants are staying here or maybe they traveled to California for preparation work for the short week, but they definitely did not go back to New York. They're here through Wednesday, apparently. They're leaving here on Wednesday. They're here the next couple of days. Also, in addition to Andrew Thomas, who we talked about all last week, who did not play the excellent left tackle, they lost guard Brian Brendison during the game to a concussion. He's their second-best offensive lineman, according to a couple of the New York uh, writers that I talked to after the game last night. And uh, it's hard to imagine if you have a concussion on Sunday that you're going to play in a game on Thursday night at San Francisco. 
We'll get into more around the NFL on the other side of the break. Phone calls around 10:30 and 11:15 today. It is the extra point. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. Twenty-seven, right here on KDUS AM 1060 on this Monday, September 18th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Morse-Laura with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's go around week two in the NFL. Reaction here from the games that were. And we'll start things off with the Ravens and the Bengals here. The Ravens getting a 27-24 win. Joe Burrow said that he re-aggravated his strained right calf during the game. Uh, after the game, uh, he called it day-to-day. So we'll have to see how that unfolds here for the Bengals. Uh, for Burrow, there, though, his line, 27-41, 222 yards two touchdowns, one interception. They still were not able to get uh, Jamar Chase really heavily involved in the game plan, uh, but T. Higgins was able to get a ton of balls. Lamar Jackson, for what they were trying to accomplish here, 24 of 33, 237 yards and two touchdowns, and the Bengals once again start 0-2 for the second straight year. Yeah, um, you know, it appeared that Burrow, from what I, you know, was, you know, according to the NFL Network, they thought that he re-injured the calf in the first quarter of this game. Uh, the offensive line has been really bad uh, for two games in a row for the uh, Bengals, as I mentioned previously. Seems as if they just can't even pick up the simplest of blitzes. Last week it was, uh, you know, little uh, kind of some extravagant blitzes with Jim Schwartz in Cleveland. Uh, last uh, yesterday, apparently, it was just the most basic blitz they couldn't even pick up. Uh, so you know, that kind of uh, hinders the opportunity to throw the ball down the field to chase. I mean, Higgins is more of a, uh, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, just kind of a line of scrimmage type of guy, but you know, he's not the deep threat that Chase is. So I'm guessing that played a role there. Uh, very impressive win for Baltimore here, shorthanded without two offensive linemen in this game. Uh, their two best offensive linemen, or at least their you know, certainly their best, their number one guy, and then they lose their starting center who was inactive. Uh, so a 415 yard to 282 yard advantage. Uh, that's uh, pretty much complete dominance in my opinion. It's actually I was surprised the score was this close when I saw those yards. You know, I have a question just about trying to figure out how. You know, if you're in a pick'em contest, if you're figuring out spreads, etc. Uh, when you look at the Ravens situation in particular here, and those offensive line injuries, and specifically to Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum, they are key players on the offensive line, and they were still able to move the ball and have functionality here on the offense, but kind of thinking it through heading into the game you're thinking well the Ravens are going to struggle to move the ball that the Bengals defensive line is certainly going to have an advantage here so how do you try to avoid overreacting to such injuries like that uh you're asking the wrong guy because I had this game under the total because I thought that the Ravens would have a tough time scoring (laughs) so uh, I, I have an answer I do not have an answer to that question and I obviously misjudged that before yesterday's game 
Uh, the Seahawks and the Lions here. This contest went into overtime, and the Seahawks came away 37-31. Uh, the, another situation here, offensive line concerns for the Seattle Seahawks, and their two tackles that were in replacement there held up nicely. Geno was only sacked once. As for uh, the Seahawks on defense, they held the Lions to just one of three on fourth down. This looked like the Lions from early season last year when they couldn't stop anybody. Uh, you know, you mentioned the two offensive linemen, uh, two starting tackles out for the uh, Seahawks, and that didn't seem to make much, uh, make much of a difference. Uh, you know, Geno threw for 311 passing yards, only got sacked the one time. You know, Hutchinson, who was the best player on the field in week one in the win at Kansas City, was missing in action yesterday. He did almost nothing. In fact, Detroit had one quarterback hit, one hit of the quarterback that entire game yesterday, and they looked like the same garbage defense that we've seen before. Also, uh, Decker, their left tackle, didn't play, and Vitae got he's their, you know, one of their other top offensive linemen. He got hurt during the game. David Montgomery got hurt during the game. So it was a pretty, pretty much a disaster for Detroit. Also, uh, Dan Campbell gambled on fourth down again in his own territory. It backfired miserably, and that turned into a very quick short touchdown for Seattle. This is another game where I did the exact same thing. I thought these offensive line concerns would be bigger concerns, especially with what we saw Aiden Hutchinson. We had talked about him you know, being maybe the best player on the field in week one and then having such a lengthy period of time to get ready for this contest. I thought, uh, I guess in a way here, you're right, that the Lions showed what they were at the beginning of last year as opposed to the growth and the step that everyone kind of thought that they were going to have this year. Well, even last year when they were winning games at the end of the year, their defense sucked. But they went on, got a lot of guys that you know they thought were going to help, and those guys did help some in week one. But maybe some of that week one is the fact that the Chiefs' offense, even with Travis Kelsey back yesterday, is not a well-oiled machine right now. Yeah, we'll get into that game here uh, shortly. We'll start, though, with uh, the Colts and the Texans. Colts 31, Texans 20. Anthony Richardson is now in the concussion protocol. Prior to leaving the contest, he was 6 of 10 for 56 yards, three rushes, 35 yards, and two touchdowns. Gardner Minshew stepping in for him, 19 of 23, 171 yards, and one touchdown. As for C.J. Stroud here, uh, 30 of 47, 384 yards, two touchdowns, six sacks. And then if you you just look at what they've been doing offensively here Stroud in week one he also had 44 attempts in that ball game too I know that they were behind and chasing right. uh, but certainly uh, a lot of throws there well they have to you mentioned the scoreboard situation they're without four starting offensive linemen yesterday four it's week two including their stud offensive tackles who were amongst the best combination of tackles in the entire in the entire NFL. Now let's get into that Chiefs and that Jaguars contest here. Uh, the under hit big time. Chiefs 17, Jaguars 9. Travis Kelsey, he returned. I believe there was nine targets, four catches, 26 yards, and one touchdown. Chris Jones in his return, though, after the contract extension, he made an impact with one and a half sacks and two quarterback hits. As for what's supposed to be an explosive offense for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, it wasn't. Calvin Ridley, after his performance, 
performance in week one first half, just two catches on eight targets for 32 yards. Trevor Lawrence had two fumbles. I believe he lost one. He was bad, again, uh, Trevor Lawrence. They were terrible in the red zone. They were zero for four, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And when they lost games last year, he was often terrible in the red zone, something I pointed out throughout last season, some during the offseason. Doug Peterson, another guy, went for it on fourth down for midfield, didn't make it, and that uh, turned into one of the Chiefs' two touchdowns on a short field uh, in this game. I'm curious to kind of peel back why, you know, the struggles are there for the red zone. I mean, obviously the field shrinks when you get into the red zone here and precision uh, has to be of, of, of importance. But I'm also wondering if there's something to do with kind of the run game uh, that is leading to some of these red zone struggles. Well, I didn't see yesterday's game yet. I mean, at some point, maybe I'll see some of this game or I'm sure I'll see some of it. I'm not sure I'm going to see it all. Last year, uh, this was a Trevor Lawrence accuracy issue inside the red zone. Uh, so I'm not sure if that was a problem yesterday, but uh, he's got to step up and make some plays, as does another quarterback I'm guessing we're going to get to here shortly, uh, who also has not been great in the red zone when it's mattered and was bad in those situations again yesterday. Uh, yes, we will save him for the other side of the break. Instead, we'll talk about here the Packers and the Falcons. The Packers, uh, one-point loss to the Falcons, 25-24 to with 6.07 to go. The Falcons get the ball. They went on a 12-play, 66-yard drive that resulted in a coup 25-yard touch, uh, excuse me, 25-yard field goal. The Packers then had 57 seconds left to try to get into field goal range. It was three straight incomplete passes and then uh, just a, a crazy fourth and 10 penalty all sorts of things going on resulted in nothing doing for them turnover on downs for the Falcons here Drake London got involved six catches 67 yards one touchdown Desmond Ritter here 19 of 32 237 yards one touchdown one pick and of course everyone has their eyes on for fantasy purposes props etc Bijan Robinson it was 19 carries for him 124 yards four catches 48 yards and conversely here uh, with the Bears defense Jordan Love looked good how was he going to look here against the Falcons it was 14 of 25 151 yards and three touchdowns I think it's impossible to judge love from yesterday no Aaron Jones no Christian Watson no David Bakhtiari who apparently may not be playing on turf fields any point this season uh something I heard this morning and also Elton Jenkins who I don't think it's even an argument is their second best offensive lineman he was injured during this game well, that, how many, I'm, I'm going to have to look this up now. How many turf fields versus grass fields are there in the NFL? Is it uh, like a, I don't think it's a 50 well, 50 split. Well, they have road games in Minnesota and Detroit. Ooh, yeah. That's a rivalry, uh, you know, divisional matchups there. We'll get into more of the NFL games on the other side of the break. We'll also take your phone calls if you'd like to join the program. 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to talk about the Cardinals. Uh, certainly we'll talk college football, and we'll get into that more heavily as well in our number two. But more NFL and your calls are next. You're listening to The Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports.
Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Suggest you download the KDOS 1060 app if you haven't already done so. Make sure you register and then follow along with the listener rewards. Uh, There's very specific rules that you have to follow along with, but it makes you eligible for the chance at a $100 gift certificate courtesy of Superbook Sports. That's ongoing now through the rest of September. Let's continue with our NFL recap from Sunday. Uh, Of course, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. And we'll go to the Titans and the Chargers contest from Tennessee. It was a 27-24 victory for Tennessee in overtime. The Chargers now start 0-2. And this is also interesting. They are the first team in NFL history to score 50 or more points with zero turnovers in those two contests and be 0-2. There was no Austin Eckler, so Josh Kelly uh, got the bulk of the work, 13 carries, 39 yards. Ryan Tannehill, uh, he had no picks. He cleaned things up after week one, 20 of 24, 246 yards, one touchdown. Yeah, he was good. I want to start with the uh, Chargers here. The last four losses have now been by all of them three points or less. Uh, you know, the greatest coach in the world, Brandon Staley, or the smartest man in the world, at least if you ask him, uh, took offense uh, to, you know, the close losses. And the, 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 one of the, the, the question I thought was pretty poorly phrased, quite frankly, from the media person about the, whether the Jacksonville loss is having a hangover would have been a better question and why you continue to lose these close games. Your last four losses are all by three points or less. Uh, it would have been interesting to see his reaction then, but you know, he, you know, Staley took offense to the fact that the Jacksonville loss from last season had anything to do with this. I mentioned uh, Trevor Lawrence earlier, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, another guy who I've talked about needs to step up at the end of these games, and he has not. And he's one of the reasons they're losing these games, these close games. I mean, he's done a really good job to put them in the lead in many of these games, if not all of these games. But you got to close the game out. And he made a couple of not so good throws uh, at the end of this game. And uh, they're zero and two. And now they go to Minnesota. And uh, if they lose at Minnesota, I'm wondering if uh, you know, ownership slash management would have enough gall, uh, gall and balls to basically do what they should have done, which is fire Brandon Staley after his first season as the Chargers head coach when he was inept then, and he's no better now. I'm curious here because they had the ball first in overtime and it was three straight incompletions. Do you put that on what were those play calls or do you put that on Herbert? They can't run the ball. Uh, they got out rushing this game 150 to 61. Uh, nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody. Very few teams can run the ball against the Titans. And then Eckler was out. You know, Kelly's okay, but he's, there's a reason he's a backup running back. Uh, they got dominated at the line of scrimmage in this game. And, you know, that's another thing that goes back to, you know, this goes back to the entire organization. Uh, you know, they've had problems stopping the run for many years now. And uh, the Titans don't exactly have the offensive line that they had before. 
Uh, but they had no problem running the ball yesterday, and Tannehill was the beneficiary of that. Uh, he was very accurate, 20 out of 24 yesterday, uh, and he had you know 20 completions for 246 yards. Uh, when it comes to Brandon Staley, I know we had disagreed years ago, uh, and I was like, "Hey, let's let's give this a ch- this give this aggressive nature nah. a, a try. See how it's going to unfold." Well, I'm on your side now. Uh, we've seen how it unfolds, and with with him in this current roster, it's not working. It's not just the aggressive nature. I'm I'm, I'm over that. I mean, there's lots of coaches I've already mentioned. Yeah, you know, Dan Campbell and and you know Peterson. Both made fourth uh, down decisions yesterday. I'm sure that they were based on metrics. They were stupid football decisions because the metrics don't dictate how a game is going. They didn't make it on fourth down in both those cases. And then the opponent scored on short fields, touchdowns. You know, one of those was a low-scoring game, and that's one of the two touchdowns Kansas City scored yesterday. What the deal is now, Brandon Steele is a defensive guru guy. And his defense is sucked since the day he walked in the door. The 49ers and the Rams here. Uh, 49ers 30, Rams 23. Let's start with the Rams side of things with Puka Nakua. He sets a record. Uh, He had 15 catches yesterday for 147 yards. You add that to week one's performance of 10 catches, 119 yards. That means 25 catches, 266 yards. It's the most catches by a rookie through the first two games. Over to the 49ers side of things here, Brock Purdy, 17 of 25, 206 yards. You know, in watching a lot of 49ers games last year, once Brock Purdy uh, got in as the starter, I've never really seen him miss open receivers before. And I saw at least three or four where uh, his receiver was open and he overthrew them yesterday. So just something that I hadn't really seen before. So that was interesting. And then we'll also have to monitor Brandon Ayuk's status as he was in and out of that ball game yesterday with a left shoulder injury. First game as a starting quarterback in the regular season that Purdy's not thrown at least two touchdown passes. So not good there, but he's still undefeated in the regular season as a starting quarterback. Uh, you watched this game, you know, some during the Cardinals game. Uh, I, I really didn't see hardly any of this. I think the Two things uh, for the Rams. One, uh, one good and one not so good. One, I think Matthew Stafford looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's made he's made some excellent throws the first two games of the season. I did see enough highlights last night. You know, when I'm watching highlights, uh, no matter what the situation, and I'm looking for you know the quarterback. If it's a highlight package, usually the quarterback is getting some kind of you know publicity or you know hype and set etc. I still wanted to see if those targets are on, you know, those uh, throws are on target. And, you know, there's a whole lot of quarterbacks that throw bad passes and their receivers bail them out or with great plays, yards after the catch, or, you know, they're, you know, the, the receiving highlights or quarterback highlights when the receiver actually has to stop or slow down significantly to make a play and then get some yards after the catch. Those things catch my attention in the negative light. Seems like almost every pass that Stafford's thrown for two games now, at least the highlight packages, and I did see almost all of that first game against Seattle, he's been on target. Now, the bad side of things, it looks like there's a Cam Akers problem here again. Uh, and uh, he, you know, basically, Kyron Williams looked better in the first game, got more run in the first game, and uh, Akers was inactive yesterday. I know Lower Oakman 
uh, who uh, I actually uh, worked with briefly in Chicago back in the day. Uh, she reported that uh, there's some kind of, I, I forget the exact term she used, there's some kind of attitude problem, I'm paraphrasing to the hilt here, uh, but uh, you know, Aker's upset that he was already being phased out or whatever. Uh, also, Akers, when he got a chance in week one, wasn't as good as Williams. Uh, so, you know, not even active for week two. Uh, so, you know, like we said, we said this last year, but it seems like this time that Akers maybe really has played his last game with the Rams. Yeah, I was going to say, stop me if you've heard this one before, but yeah, this, right. this does seem like they have some other options to go to with running back, where it almost seemed like last year uh, the options ran thin, so they had to figure out how yeah. to bring Cam Akers back. And there were a lot of people that thought that Williams was going to be their number one running back last year, and he got hurt in the first game of the season against Buffalo in that Thursday night game last year. A few more games to get to. We'll do that on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point on this Monday, September 18th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Wrapping up hour number one here on KDUS AM 1060, online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Wrapping things up from yesterday, we'll go to uh, Dallas with the Cowboys and the Jets. Cowboys on top, 32-10. Zach Wilson, he was just 12 of 27, 170 yards, one touchdown, three picks, three sacks. Uh, you can't continue with Zach Wilson as the starter, right? Like, uh, Or you need to do a better job of attempting to integrate the run game. I know Brees Hall was very upset post-game, uh, and I believe he had to delete some tweets on social media uh, that he only had four carries. It was four carries for him, nine yards. Well, I know two of those picks were really late when they were way behind and really chasing points. But, yeah, I'm not – I don't think they have an alternative uh, in uh, Jets land right now. But this is an offensive line, which I questioned last season, the entire offseason, preseason. And this offensive line looks like it's pretty inept and uh, to say – any offensive line in the NFL right now, because there's a lot of uh, subpar offensive line play, again, like last year. But to say that's one of the worst in the league, I think it's uh, something to be discussed. Uh, and I'm sure it is discussed uh, today in New York. Um, I'm sure WFN is interesting today because you got the Giants fans who are, I'm guessing, not necessarily rejoicing because they beat the lowly Cardinals and Barkley got hurt. But I'm guessing the Jets fans uh, are trashing Wilson, but I think that they should be trashing their offensive line more. Commanders and the Broncos. It was a 35-33 road win for the Commanders. Broncos had a 21-14 lead at half, allowed 21 points in the second half. Uh, it does look like, according to Ian Rappaport here, that uh, defensive back Kareem Jackson won't be suspended for his hit on Logan Thomas. It will be reviewed as part of the standard yeah. discipline process. He's been out there 
uh, certainly causing some issues as he did on Jacoby Myers in week one. Uh, the Broncos did have some wildness at the end of the game, but failed on their two-point attempt to try to force overtime, so the Broncos start 0-2. Well, he got fined for last week's hit on Myers, and he's going to get fined again. Or, you know, at one point, do you actually suspend somebody now uh, for excessive force? Yeah, exactly. But they don't do that very often. You have to, you know, look at Vontez Perfect all those years. Uh, he was out there trying to injure people on a weekly basis his entire career uh, before, you know, basically no team wanted to put up with any put put up with him anymore. That's why he wasn't in the NFL finally at some point um the uh broncos you know they were up 21 to 3 in this game right 21 to 3 uh russell wilson got pummeled he was hit 14 times in this game another bad offensive line in denver and we thought it was going to be better since they're healthy now they weren't good last year because they were all beat up and a lot of their key guys missed excessive time but it looks like it's the same old, same old. Sam Howell looked good in this game, 27 to 39 for 299 and two touchdowns and no picks. And finally, uh, Sunday night, the Dolphins beat the Patriots 24-17. Uh, Tua, he had an inexplicable pass in the fourth quarter, thrown it up for grabs that Christian Gonzalez, the rookie, came down with. But that should have been a situation where you're playing ball control clock management, but the Patriots on offense unable to capitalize on that. Uh, and you know what? I may be coming around to what you've been saying about Mac this whole time. Yeah, I actually thought Mac was okay, but they got destroyed at the line of scrimmage in this game, 145 to 88 in rushing yards. Hour number two of Extra Point is coming up on the other side of the break. 